welcome to the Situation Report for Saturday, September, Fe uh, February 18th. Boy, I cannot speak today. This is Lieutenant Colonel Murray. We're doing a Saturday edition today because I'm going to bring on Master Sergeant Jack Don in a few minutes. When we're going to talk uh, intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance assets, ISR assets. And he's got in-depth knowledge. And I thought, you know, the balloon thing is still, they're trying to still beat the drum on. It's like the COVID thing, right? They know the story's dead, but they don't have any new bullshit to throw out. So they have to come up with something something different, right? And if you understand anything about information warfare, it, it's it's like Hollywood. They have to refresh the BS every couple of weeks because most of the population now is on demand and they don't watch and they're not glued to their TV sets waiting for the eight o'clock broadcast of the A-Team or I Love Lucy or whatever the show syndicated show is. They don't. Those days are over. And most of the syndicated TV was way behind, which is where Netflix and Hulu and Amazon on demand came from because they filled the void of on demand that people with smart devices wanted to have. And they've changed the planet forever. They've also changed the, the playing field for syndicated television. And you, you still see them trying to do the same type of, of um, syndication with shows like The Last of Us with The Mandalorian and others that they released on a weekly basis to try and keep you glued to those time slots so they could they could figure out how many people were actually paying attention to whatever drops that they were doing. And, you know, to a certain extent, yeah, some of that works to a lesser extent. No, it doesn't because people are, especially younger generations, they're all on demand. They want to watch things that they want to watch as they want to watch them, where they want to watch them and when they want to watch them. They don't, they don't want to watch this stuff on their, on their schedule. And it's a it's a struggle that's gone on for the better part of 12 years now. And we're starting to see on the other side of it that even the, the, the regular mainstream media stations like ABC, NBC are starting to realize that they've missed the boat. And, you know, newspapers have been dying a loud, grotesque death for the last 20 years, but they're now really starting to accelerate because more and more people are doing things online versus hard, you know, hard copy papers, hard copy books, et cetera, et cetera. There's a, there, there is a host, and I mean a, a host of um, new formats that people have adopted way over newspapers. And there's still a following for newspapers, but the, that population is dying. And so too is the, the media around that and the mindset as well as the culture. And eventually we may get back to, to print print paper. We may get back to that. But with the, the current age of digital, literally the on-demand piece has changed the landscape for information. That's where TikTok came from. And if you look at TikTok's terms of service, you'll understand why social media is so important in the information war. Because essentially you get a wide variety of information from people willingly. And you don't have to go ferret it out and put people on the ground and put sensors on the ground to collect information on them. They give it to you willingly. They'll tell you where, where they're at, what they're eating. They'll tell you what their habits are. They'll tell you. Some people tell you, hey, I'm taking a dump. Hey. Social media has changed the landscape for intelligence. 
It's changed the landscape for collecting intelligence. It's changed the landscape for profiling people. I mean, it used to be you had these FBI profilers and you had these people profiling people in the CIA and NSA to try and get a, a feel for their background and trying to get a feel for how these people think. And imagine being in the 40s trying to profile people in Japan or in Germany, right, with limited information. All you had to rely on back then was books and articles and speeches they may have given or you know conversations they've had with people. It was all human intelligence back then. Now, with social media, you don't need these, these huge monolithic um, intelligence surveillance platforms to be able to collect information. People just throw it online willingly, and you get their entire profile, for lack of a better word, all in one big smorgasbord. And it's it's a it's an intelligence um, agency's wet dream, and which is why most of these early on the legacy social media platforms were created per, pretty much by the intelligence community. And if there, there's a number of people that think Mark Zuckerberg was the one that created Facebook, he's not. He's not that fucking smart. First of all, let's just let's just call a spade a spade. Neither is Sergey Brin, neither is Eric Schmidt. These people were handed these companies. Uh, under the guise of they were social media. And they, if you look at their activities with the FBI, with the CIA and others, you can see how these were intelligence operations that were handed over to legitimize them in the commercial space so that people would buy into the platform and willingly give up this information. But these were this was a CIA operation, pure and simple CIA operation. And there's no, you know, there's no rhyme or reason for why people still haven't got the memo. But part of it is, you know, these these platforms were around for 10, 15 years before people started to finally figure out that there was something bigger going on here. And in every instance of social media, it you know, it, it's a lie propagates the Internet faster than the truth has a chance to put its pants on. And people just don't want to believe that these were insidious platforms to begin with that were used to collect information on the American citizens. And that is, that's a huge part of why there's so much division across the entire planet. If you know, and the other side of it too, is you got guys like Obama and Brennan that are using psychological operations to divide the country according to communist doctrine. And the, the interesting side of the information war of late has been simply that you know, these platforms have been literally laid out so that they're addictive and they're they're uh, insidiously addictive. And if you look at how much time kids spend on those platforms, I mean, they've built these whole online personas that are not real. And these these platforms have changed the landscape of, of kids and adolescents forever. And, and I'll give you a case in point. They have changed the way dating's done. It used to be you go ask somebody, you have to make a human connection, you'd have to pick up a phone, you'd have to call somebody or meet them in person and ask them to go out with you. Now, with social media, they have all these rules. Like you have to ask somebody, they have signs, like people roll up in fire trucks to ask somebody or ride horses out into a field to ask somebody to prom. It's a big production. They've turned ordinary life into theater. And they've sensationalized things that are completely not important. And they've marginalized everything that's important. That's the insidious part of the platforms. And because of that, you have entire generations that get all their validation. They get all of their self-esteem. They get all of their 
information from these platforms that are completely controlled by the intelligence agencies. It is a very insidious cycle. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit about that today, but I'm trying to lead you up to talking about the balloons and why the balloon story got so much traction so quickly and why the UFO piece is into it. And we're going to talk about that with Master Sergeant Jack Donna in just a second. So the other part of this and why social media is so important to this story is that the balloon issue in and of itself is not a new phenomenon in the intelligence community, especially when you start talking about um, intelligence surveillance reconnaissance assets, right? They don't, the Chinese don't need a reason to fly over us with balloons. It's a target of opportunity more than anything else. But, you know, I have my theory on this. So my theory is that the intelligence community put this together and did all of this for the simple fact that they launched this thing in my mind. This is my opinion. They launched this thing out of, out of Alaska and they sent it over, they sent it over the U S according to the jet stream. And they did it for the simple fact that they needed something to change the, change the information landscape and they leaked it to alternative media and to mainstream media and it blew up. Anytime you see mainstream media talking a narrative and they're all saying the same thing, because first of all, mainstream media, they talk the same narrative all the way down the line. I mean, across the spectrum, all the way down the line, they say the same thing. It's scripted from the national level to the local level. Anytime you see them talking about a story, assume it's all BS. Assume everything they're telling you is a complete lie. And more importantly, because of the fact they're telling you that lie, you should be asking the other question, which is what else are they not telling me and what are they doing? So we'll talk about that in just a minute. So we'll be talking to Jack Donna in just a second. So just stand by. So uh, I'm finally joined by Master Sergeant Jack Donna. I pre- Jack, I appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show and I always enjoy your insights. But uh, I wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the crowd since you know, you have a deep background in intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, and I think it was it's valuable for this audience to understand that landscape, to understand that world. So can you give folks, just tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, well, thanks for having me on, Colonel. Um, this is our second uh, interview, I guess. You know, I normally don't do interviews because I'm about as uh, exciting as watching dust settle on a desk but I'll give it a try here. So, uh, yeah, my name is Jack Donna. I spent four decades in the intelligence community, primarily working on intelligence electronic warfare, C4 ISR systems. I was a field engineer. I started out in the 80s installing cooling systems for uh, NWSA, nuclear weapon storage. And then I branched off into special electronic mission aircraft for SEMA fixed wing uh, worked on several C4 ISR platforms, Guardrail, Common Sensor, Quick Look 2, Persistent Threat Detection, PTDS, Quick Fix, ARL, JSTARS, et cetera, et cetera. Around the mid-1990s, I went to work for the National Security Agency, and I stood up all computer system administrative training for the national level. It's all national level agencies down to unit level, primarily classified systems using Unix. Uh, I hold 35 technical and engineering certifications, diplomas, various systems and software, IBM, Solaris, Data General, Silicon Graphics, Hewlett-Packard, 
I'm also MCSC. After retiring from the military, I went to work as a defense contractor working on various classified systems to include what we're going to talk about as a, uh, a shipborne radar systems, the Cobra Judy and the Cobra Gemini, which are used to monitor missile launches in support of strategic arms treaty compliance. And uh, so that's pretty much me. Four decades, man. That's a long time doing ISR. So I would yeah. say that makes you more than qualified to talk about this topic. Just saying. So <laughs> what's your thoughts on the whole balloon hysteria and that whole, you know, storyline? Well, I recently, you know, gave some technical analysis on that for an article. Um, and um, as you know, Steve, all of the product that we produce on, on the team you built you know, include your, your sit, sit reps, they're watched and read by a lot of people. Um, the article was, you know, that we worked on was uh, was cited by General Flynn um, in regards to the hysteria being generated by these balloons um, and then being conflated with UFOs. I think it's by design. I really do. Um, I think the technical experts and analysts are gaslighting the American people on what I think is the real danger of these of these balloons. Um, I mean, but there's, you know, aside from the fact that there's a whole bunch of other problems going on in the world today, um, I think it's just laughable uh, how they are gaslighting the American people regarding these balloons, so. Yeah, I think the interesting side of that storyline, you know, if, if, if I was a bet man, I said this in the intro, you know, to me, this they they launched these out of Alaska, boosted them up to the jet stream, and then just let them float down to create the story, and then leaked it to the press and leaked it to the alternative media. And it's it's interesting to me the reach that they still have because I mean this blew up the internet literally overnight. It's balloons, yeah. you know. I mean, let, let me ask you let me ask you another question. Do we have systems in place to detect high flying balloons or high flying objects? <laughs> Well, everything I'm going to talk about is unclassified. There's not, nothing that I'm going to say here that that is in any way classified. Um, so, yes, primarily, um, they're not really meant to, de to detect balloons, but um, in the calibration of these systems, they actually use balloons. They, they have metal spheres that they attach to these big balloons. They're about three or four times the size of, of, uh, of a beach ball. And... Uh, that's what these 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 systems actually track them when they're being calibrated. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Cobra systems. Um, you know, they um, the genesis of these systems were originated post World War II. Uh, the first generation was called the Cobra Mist program, and uh, that that went by the wayside because of poor engineering. Um, but uh, you know, yes, we do have we do have the capability, and we have had the capability to detect high flying objects. I mean, from the ground all the way up mesosphere and into outer space. I mean, it's 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 crazy that how again going back to your previous question, the hysteria, how they're gaslighting American people. You know, like they're just balloons, and they're not very well made balloons either. I might add. <laughs> so. so. So, um, are you still there, Steve? Yeah. So, I yeah. the, the so, thing that so. got to me about the whole thing was mm -hmm. that 
you know, the first thing is they come out with the balloons, right? Then the hysteria starts and it was all, you know, they could be carrying EMP. They could, that equipment is, is very heavy that you can't just generate an EMP pulse with a, you know, a shoebox size piece of equipment. It takes a, an incredible amount of energy, right? And why would you strap a nuclear weapon to the bottom of a freaking balloon when you have other delivery systems that are way more, way more effective? And you're right. Back in the 80s and the 90s, we started investing heavily in space-based assets to do detection, to do it, to do collection efforts, to do, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? signals intelligence, as well as, you know, image intelligence. We put a lot of assets in space in the 80s and 90s to do those specific missions. Now, most of them were were infrared based and other other technologies that were looking for specific things. Right. And we had we had the entire DSP constellation that was up there for how many years that did missile detection because we were so worried about Soviet launches. Yep. You can't tell me that. Even with BMUs, BMUs was the the beyond visual range radar system that we had deployed all across the northern part of the U.S. Mm-hmm. and in Alaska to detect missile launches coming over the poles. We we invested a huge amount of money to put those systems in place, and you can't tell me that they couldn't see a gondola hanging off of a balloon at that far away and not detect it as something, right? Because those systems were as as rudimentary as our radar systems were back then, they still could detect way more than the Soviets could. And now that Russia has their own assets and their own space-based assets, you know, the whole conversation was ludicrous to me in the sense that, you know, they're trying to propagate this whole storyline that China's launched all these different balloons. Look, we've had ISR assets over our heads for 50 years. The Russians have had satellites over our heads. In fact, I I did a yeah, and I did a whole sit rep where I talked about the Stark treaties and how we break up B-52s at Davis Moth and, and lay the parts out and the wings and everything next to the fuselage to show that that aircraft has been demilitarized. I mean, and it's spe- specifically called out in Stark. We're not doing that for balloons. We're doing that for satellites that can see clearly yeah. Davis Moth and see the whole base. They know exactly what footprints at the base at any any time of the year. Yes, it uses it uses they those satellites use something that's called disturbed earth. And and basically um those satellites are constantly taking uh image captures. You know, we we're doing it also. And basically when the system detects a change in the overlay, it flags the analyst. So we're talking like these things are taking thousands of images. So basically, um if you were talking using the the, the Cobra system, I'm talking about this. This is the the high powered radar systems that we have that NORAD uses to track these things. They're they're shipborne and they're also land based. Okay. Normally, how it would it would work is we have systems on the ground uh, that can be differentiate between an earthquake or a missile launch. They actually can tell the seismic difference and once that happens and it's triangulated okay and the satellites you know move in and then we use our radar to track the launch of the of of the craft whether it's a missile or whatever it may be um it you would use these systems have normally have two 
radars on them. They have what's called the X band and they have the S band. Now, so let me let me simplify that for your listening audience. The X band is a very very powerful radar array. The and the closest analogy I can use is it's picture a giant flashlight, okay, like a giant spotlight on the ground or on on a sea, and basically. Once we seismically detect that there's been a launch, those things swing into place and that flashlight is scanning the sky. Once it detects that moving object, moving, moving up into outer space, okay, then it kicks over to the S-band. And the S-band radar, it, it, it looks like your traditional satellite dish, but it puts a pencil beam radar onto that uh object the x band turns off and in the s band basically you can get very very clear imagery i mean tracking you know and they can determine what type of missile it is or you know if it's a commercial use or whatever so now let's let's go back to the balloons if if we can so Obviously, a balloon launch would not have a seismic uh, 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 signal. It would not. It would not have any type of sensor that would detect that. But our satellites are constantly, like you were saying, are constantly taking pictures. Now, if you're standing in the middle of a road, and there's a car all the way down at the other end of the road, and that car is coming towards you, what 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 do your eyes perceive? Well, your eyes perceive that the object is getting larger as it approaches you. And our satellites, we, we of course, we have satellites that can detect a, a balloon launch. I mean, it's just ludicrous to think that, that we couldn't. Yeah. So, and it's yeah. also, mm -hmm. so you brought up a couple of good points that I wanted to touch on because, mm -hmm. you know, this was most of the technology we're talking about was, was put up in the 80s and 90s. Imagine before what that. they have now. What before, Steve? Before that, yeah. The, the last yeah. system, the last system I worked on was the Cobra Judy, which was on the Observation Island, and it had an S band and an X band, and it was until well, they just cut it up two years ago. They they signed, they finally retired it, but it was the the longest serving ship in the U.S. Navy, and that thing had had been around since the fifties, the sixties. Yeah, I mean, so we invested a lot in radar, but imagine now what we have with the with the addition of AI, with the mm -hmm. addition of massive computing power, yep. with faster satellite bands, with faster yep. comm bands, with faster um, linked up. In the Navy, they used to have a system called Link Eleven, where they would link the radar systems, the radio systems, the uh, imagery systems all into one big picture. And we've invested trillions of dollars on sensor to shooter information. I mean, trillions of dollars on it. And we did that from the early 70s when we left Vietnam all the way through, especially with a massive emphasis in the late 80s and early 90s, all the way through the Iraq and Afghanistan war, because we knew that eliminating as much of the fog of war as possible would reduce fat fratricide would help us conserve ammunition conservation of forces all those things but more importantly we were laser focused on making sure we were shooting the right targets so you can't tell me 
that we don't have systems that saw this thing. Let's just say for devil's advocate, which I still don't believe this came out of the Gobi Desert, because if you know anything about Northern China and that whole area of the world, it's not only unhospitable, but it is highly unpredictable given the mountain ranges around it. And there is a number of different wind patterns there that would would make it very, very hard to consistently, even with power, Again, mm-hmm. I talked about this from the pilot's perspective. Even with power, you get into the upper atmosphere, there's some strong-ass winds up there. And a balloon with a couple of small propellers and electric motors is not going to fight, you know, 150-mile-an-hour winds, which are literally at the upper atmosphere. That's where you're at. You'd have to be in the absolute stratosphere, which I know if it was, we would see it, not just with satellite. Mm-hmm. We would see it with space-based assets that were looking down at the ground, and we would see it immediately heat signature or not i i agree with you i mean my i mean i you know when i saw the picture i've worked on the 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 ptds the persistent threat detection system and you know when the first media report started coming out saying oh my gosh you know uh you know you know this is a a threat and stuff and i looked at the, the photos of this thing okay you can see it's got a solar array underneath it and it's just a big bag um there there's just there's, you're not going to be able to put a full ISR payload on, on that thing and uh have any type of real-time ISR comms with it I mean it's it's I mean yeah what are you gonna do put a satellite dish on top of the balloon <laughs> I mean come on I mean you know <laughs> You're thinking exactly what I was thinking. You know, when I, when I heard when I heard Rod Johnson come out and say, this could potentially be an EMP event. I'm like, do you have any idea what you're even saying? Do you hear yourself right now? Do you know uh, what you know, when they, to generate when they were, that? Yeah, when they when they came out, you know, I was following it. And I guess what's Monkey Works or whatever, they were reporting that that they were watching it and they were flying, um, they were flying SEMA birds around it. And uh, you know you know what they were doing. They were basically playing it safe, make sure there's no nuclear, biological, or chemical, you know. But, you know, going back to your point, even if it was an EMP up there, okay, you'd have to you'd have to encase it in cobalt or some type of other shielding material. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. mean, it's just it's it's just ludicrous, you know. My theory is, and and this is and the um, former director of uh, national intelligence intelligence, Ratcliffe kind of echoed it. It was funny because when I was helping with that article, um, uh, he actually mentioned it. I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? I, I think if if there's any type of payload on that, it would be um, something similar to cicada drones. Yeah. You know, so basically, yeah. basically it's been floating all over, over our sensitive areas and scattering these, uh, they're called what they're called unattended uh, uh, sensors, unattended ground sensors. Right. It's like we used to drop into Vietnam on the Ho Chi Minh Trail to see if we could detect when they were marching down the Ho Chi Minh Trail. How many, how many resources did we spend after that in the, in the early seventies? I mean, Jesus, huge effort, right? That makes more sense to me because you can throw a battery operated sensor that you could detect from space that doesn't need a big signal. And you could drop it right. You could literally drop it on the rooftop of a military yeah, group and absolutely. nobody would ever know the damn thing was there. That and makes could, more sense to me. Yeah. And then they could have, uh, they could have uh, pre-programmed uh, times to turn on and turn off. And so, and they could be solar powered. They could have little tiny solar panels on them 
So they turn off and turn on. The idea is basically um, to, to gain a strategic advantage on anyone moving to those defense sites. For example, if these unattended sensors, and this is all in theory now, this, this, okay, are scattered everywhere. Oh, let's go down that rabbit hole, man, because I, 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 yeah, let's go okay. down that rabbit hole. So, so they're scattered everywhere, okay, and they come on and off at certain times. For one thing, you'd, you'd have... You'd, you'd have a hell of a time trying to find all of these because unless they're radiating and turned on, it's just an inert object. I mean, you could, and, they, and they could look like a pebble. It could look like a twig. You wouldn't know that it's actually a, uh, a, 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 an, an, a sensor, okay? So these things are scattered all over the place, right? And then we have a, 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 a threat condition. And our teams begin to move towards, you know, these different defense installations, all right? Those sensors would detect that, okay? And that would give a strategic advantage to the enemy. I don't know. It's like, you know, you know what I'm, you see what I'm saying, Steve? Yeah, it's a Red Dawn scenario, right? You're, you're yeah. throwing out that they drop these sensors ahead of, so yeah. if, if you haven't watched the movie Red Dawn, part of the there's a there's a part of the movie where patrick swayze and all the kids are sitting around a fire with a, a shot down f-15 pilot and he they ask him you know so what happened and he was walking through the attack and in the scenario is the russians nicaraguans hondurans and communist bloc countries including cuba invade the united states through infiltration through airborne assault and through uh, a pincer movement from both the Canadian border as well as from the southern border. But it's primarily they're pushing the southern border infiltration, which if you look at what's going on right now, we have been basically infiltrated by military age males that have been moved across this country, including children moved across this country by our government. Some of them are being housed in military bases. When you add to it that you drop specific drones and, and sensor technology, you have a Red Dawn scenario. Now, logistically, I've talked about how hard it would be to occupy the United States. But what if the the whole end state here is not to occupy the U.S.? What if the whole end state is to de destroy, degrade, and disrupt U.S. operations for other parts of the world, say Taiwan, say Ukraine, say Europe? I mean, there's other parts of the planet that are just strategic, just as strategically as important as the United States. And destabilization of us would be far more detrimental than any kind of an invasion. Because once you once you put troops on the soil, you own it. And you have to own it in total. And if you paid attention, in Iraq and Afghanistan, we invested trillions of dollars, never owned it. And we yeah. had 250,000 boots on the ground when you had contractors and soldiers, and we still couldn't hold the area. And it was the size of Texas. You're telling me the Chinese are going to come in here and hold our, our country. It makes more sense for them to destroy critical assets, disrupt our operations and create chaos so they can do things in other parts of the world. I, that's my two cents. So I, I'm curious what your yours are. Well, yeah, I mean, def I mean, they, they definitely play the long game. And they've been playing the long game for what 20, 30 years, even longer, going back to going back to Nixon. And um, you know, um the, the their mentality, the mentality of the Chinese, they have a mercantilist, a mercantilist type 
they they acquire they want to acquire but they're also not stupid okay um you're right it, you know it's they're they're loath i'm sure they're quite loath to to try and come in here now but if they can degrade our society our military to to the point of complete being completely ineffective then yeah then it's it's it leaves us it leaves us wide open you know i think i think they're they're playing a long-term game and i think they're gonna take a slice here they're gonna take a slice there um when the opening salvo is gonna be i don't know uh it's soon i think it's i think i think two things are going on right now that um I think two things are going on right now that are going to drive actions that we're not quite prepared for. One of which is Putin's getting ready to do a massive uh, operation to, to close the door in Ukraine and NATO's playing a very dangerous uh, game of chicken that they can't possibly win. And they know that. And at the same time, there's been a complete blackout in what's going on with China and Taiwan, almost complete blackout. And I see that, China's waiting for the Ukraine situation to move into the next phase, and then they're going to do what they're going to do. What they're going to. I thought they were going to do it after Pelosi's trip. I I thought the whole reason Pelosi went to Taiwan was mm-hmm. to get them to capitulate. It turns out she used U.S. dollars to go over there to solidify her own investments because you know, one hundred fifty million dollars on one hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars salary is not enough. So. Oh, yeah. She went over there to solidify her investments. I thought she was going over to get the Taiwanese to capitulate, but who knows what the real um, root of the trip was. Yeah. But you're seeing um, the Chinese prepare for war. So they know war is on the horizon. They're planning for war. Let me ask you a question, Steve. Sure. What do you think about, I remember reading this a, a while back. What do you think about this uh, uh, military pact that the Japanese have kind of, formed with the Taiwanese you, you you think that if China actually did attack uh Taiwan the Japanese would come to their come to their aid well think about it from this perspective so most people forget about history when they're talking about current conflicts right everybody seems to think that everything that we're dealing with in these specific regions of the world has something to do with current events it never does these are you're talking about age-old conflicts that have been around for thousands of years. And the Japanese and the Chinese, the, first of all, the Chinese hate the Japanese. They loathe them with a passion yeah. because of all of the you know, destruction and death the Japanese. Yeah, the, the, rape, the rape of Nanking. Yeah. And, yeah. and they killed 250,000 Chinese civilians during World War II, and they used, they used Chinese, Koreans and um vietnamese and other um, nationalities as test subjects for their biological tests which people don't even realize the japanese were conducting yeah. even more biological testing than the germans were in world oh yeah that's true that's true I, and my um my grandfather um who was in uh in world war ii he was um he was he was deployed embedded with the marines he was a red cross director and uh he he was there uh, and helped with uh, uh, aid to the uh, a lot of the survivors of the Bataan Death March, and he said, 
what the Japanese did, I mean, what the Germans did paled in comparison to what the Japanese did. Yeah. The Japanese were infinitely more ruthless. Well, yeah, yeah because they used yeah. biologicals, right? The, oh, yeah. The Germans did, Mengele did shit like he would, he would irradiate people at different levels to see how much radiation the body could take before they died. He yep. would put people into cold conditions and progressively make the the, uh, the environment colder with test subjects to see how long they could survive at certain temperatures without clothing on. He yep. would do, you know, just insidious things. Yeah, he had to, he had that big thing for uh, twins. Remember that? Yeah, I remember reading about that. He was like fascinated with twins. If you yeah. were a twin, if you were a twin, you were screwed. <laughs> yeah, thank God I wasn't born in the in the the twenties. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> so, but the other part of that is the Japanese they they would they would use different gases like sarin gas. They'd use mustard gas, and they would see which one was more lethal on a bigger population, and they would just herd people into these chambers and. And literally gas them, or they drop it and try different delivery mechanisms on different villages in in China to see how many people would survive. And because of those those biological experiments, which most people have forgotten, but the Chinese have not, there is a huge hatred for the Japanese. So for the Japanese, they don't have a choice. They know the U.S. is not coming to the rescue. We're we're strategically done. We have been. We don't. We don't have the forces, we don't have the sustainment, and we don't have the logistical trains to fight a World War II. We just don't. And you're talking about su supply lines that are four and 5,000 miles long. The Japanese know that by the time the war starts, it's over. And so for them, it's, it's, an, it's an existential crisis. And you'll know when China's getting ready to do something because the Chinese, the Japanese will start doing weird shit. And you're yeah. going to know that there's something going on there. And, you know, I, I it doesn't surprise me because Taiwan used to be called Formosa and they, right. you know, again, it, people need to study history and understand the cultural aspects of this. Like when the, the Russian thing kicked off, you know, one of the first things I said was, look, these are primarily the, the, the Russians are going into primarily ethnic Russian areas for a reason yeah. to protect ethnic Russians. People don't realize that when Putin says mother Russia, yeah. that fucking means something to him. That is yeah, like they, they, us saying for yeah. God and country. It's the same thing as Mother Russia. Yeah, they they believe they actually they actually. I mean, these guys like Putin and Viktor Orban and and uh, that uh, was that that the Japanese Prime Minister that got assassinated. Um, these oh, guys, Abe. Yeah, Abe. Abe, yeah, they all they all believe in the concept of a nation state yeah. with with borders. Our we protect our people. We are. We want our nation to be preeminent. We want our nation to be first. Well, sovereignty, and, right? They they believe in sovereignty, right. and they don't. And right. Look, the the Japanese realize that they're a net importer of a lot of different um, goods and services to their country, just like China is. But they also realize that Chinese rule under Xi and under the Shanghai Mafia is not going to work out well for anybody in the region. No. And They've established trading partnerships with different countries, but you can see the Chinese influence across the entire region. And yeah. we've done nothing in the last 30 years other than enable them. And yeah. the elite in DC, the bankers in New York, all of the investment houses in Europe and the Davos crowd 
have enabled China. And it's because it's they're under this belief. This, again, their arrogance will be their undoing. It's under, in my opinion, it's their belief because of guys like Zihan and these other fucking eggheads that have said the Chinese and the Russian cultures are going to collapse in 10 years. That guy's been saying that shit for like 15 years now, and it hasn't happened. They believe that the culture is going to collapse and they're going to be able to just sweep in there and take over and it's going to be business as usual. That's how these European Eurofags work. And the part that gets under my skin is that both the Russian culture and the Chinese culture have been around for 5,000 years. Yep. They honestly think that these cultures are not resilient enough. We're talking about just the, let's look at the Russian culture for just a second. Even Ukrainians, mm -hmm. you look at the Slavic cultures and they have lived in some of the harshest conditions on the planet and they have survived in numbers long before we ever had modern conveniences. And we've had how many different people try and move into those areas and take over. I mean, Napoleon couldn't do it. No. Germany couldn't do it. And you're telling me this culture is going to die off. I mean, that's how short-sighted and stupid these people really are. And that arrogance that they can control the outcome of a chaotic situation is stupid to me that the Chinese and the, and the, the Russians are some of the most resilient people on the planet. And you're talking about what 50 or 60 different cultures, just in the Russian just in the Russian uh, orbit, as well as in the Chinese orbit? I mean, come on. I think a lot of these people, I, I think, you know, well, you know, the old saying, it goes, you know, if you take the king's coin, you are the king's man. I think a lot of these politicians and these businessmen and so on and so forth, um, you know, they, they're, they're, they're compromised. They're either compromised because of greed and money, or they're compromised in that, uh, you know, they've come in contact with foreign agents and they've been videotaped there or whatever. They're blackmailable. In other words, they can be blackmailed. But the whole idea um, that uh, uh, these people, you know, the globalist elites and so on and so forth, that they're going to be able to have a seat at the table uh, with Xi Jinping uh, and be treated, treated on part. It's, it's ludicrous. Yeah, that whole it's mindset cracks me up. It's ridiculous. These look are at, communists. Oh, absolutely. Look at what happened to Justin Trudeau. He he got scolded by dad yeah. when he was when he was at the the what was a G7 conference. Yep. And Xi basically said, You're a cuck. You yeah. you you need to treat me with the utmost respect. Stop mm -hmm. talking. Nobody yep. wants you to talk. I didn't tell you you could talk. And he ran away like a three-year-old school kid that got, you know, caught with his hand in the cookie jar. It was the yeah. most quintessential moment in the last 10 years that shows exactly how compromised all these leaders are. Now imagine how compromised the Biden family is given the deep ties and the, in the amount of classified information he passed through his freaking garage to yeah. the Chinese. He's a cuck. Yeah. The only thing that guy's in charge of is a sippy straw and a juice box. That's the only thing that guy's in charge of. Yeah, you're giving him too much credit there. <laughs> you're giving him too much credit, Steve. <laughs> Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Jack. Yeah. What, what should people be concerned with, in your opinion? Um, as it relates to these balloons, as a just in general, as it relates to the balloons, what you're seeing in the political spectrum, what should people be worried about? I think people should be worried. Um, worried about, from my perspective, the last thing to go 
and what I see is contract law. Okay. Um, let's take, for example, our government at the county, city, state. I mean, you use our state, for example, Arizona. Okay. Um, it's pick and choose which laws you're going to enforce. It's basically, oh, well, yeah, you committed murder, but you're connected. So we're going to give you a sweetheart deal. You did a DUI. We're going to hammer you into pieces. But you know, you're a county attorney, so you get a pass. I mean, so laws are the, the rule of law in the United States is beginning to, to, to break down. The last thing to go is contract law. What do I mean by contract law? Um, the, the way these people are operating Black Rock, Black Rock, Vanguard, and everything. Uh, it would surprise me at all if one day I I get a letter in the in the mail and it says, um, "Sorry, uh, Wells Fargo no longer holds your mortgage; it's now owned by uh, Vanguard." And if you got a problem with that, um, try and fight us in court. You know, um, I think the biggest thing that people should be concerned about is the breakdown of the rule the rule of law here. I mean, it it's just been so eroded. Where, in what, in in what crazy uh, uh, reality in the past three years have we seen? It's like on steroids with this abuse of children, and and it's being condoned. You know, I mean, it's you know this would have been unheard of five ten years ago. Now it's like completely mainstreamed. Yeah, and. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's bad. I think people need to be concerned. And I know that you've been putting this out a lot and uh, to your great credit, you know, uh, leading, leading the whole team, Steve, I just, uh, I want to take a moment and, and say thank you for all of your hard work. I mean, you, you do this uh, purely out of the goodness of your heart and, and being a good citizen and remembering the oath that you took as a, you know, as an officer, same with me. Um, but I think the biggest thing that people need to be concerned with is uh, things are sliding south. Things are, things are going bad. I had Sheriff Daniels over um, yesterday, um, came over to my house and, you know, we had a good talk. And um, of course I, I forwarded you, forwarded you his report, uh, Steve, but um you know, uh, things are getting bad. I mean, take, for example, you know, we're talking about the rule of law. Cochise County now is the last county along the entire southern border. And that's that's Texas, New Mexico, Arizona and California. Cochise County, where I reside, is the last county that's still fully enforcing all of the laws on the books in regards to cartel activity, illegal uh, aliens, human trafficking, the other counties are all, they're, they're all falling. They're, they're all falling due to weak prosecutors, weak sheriffs, uh, wokeness, uh, uh, border supervisors who, who, who do not have the intestinal fortitude to do the right thing, or they're being blackmailed or both. Uh, so what should people be concerned with? They should be concerned with their, their AOR. They should be concerned with their neighborhoods. They should be concerned with preparing. And I know that that again, to your great credit and and the rest of the team members like Trooper and 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 Sint, 
uh, we've been putting this stuff out that people need to get prepared. They need to be prepared because uh, it's it's going to get dicey. Uh, it's going to get dicey, you know, from, you know, like yesterday, I speaking with, with the sheriff and, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I'm concerned about this. You know, we're, we're just too close to the border. You know, me and the wife want to leave. And he kind of stopped and he looked at me and he said, don't do that, Jack. And it was, you know, was strange the way he said it. He said, don't do that. I'm going to need people like you very soon. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. It's going to be really hard. It's going to be difficult, but we're going to get through this. But don't leave. I need, I'm going to need you. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. that, yeah. that kind of shook me a little bit, Steve. <laughs> well, what he was telling you is the same thing that, that I've been saying about, you know, what Jack's describing is a sphere of influence and line of sight. Yep. Daniel sees yep. that this is going to degrade to where your sphere of influence is going to be the only thing that you can trust around you. Yeah. This is a designed situation. And let's put some, let's put some positive around this. So people understand why Jack and I are not scared of this. What you're seeing is a, is an architected chaotic situation by the elite under the, under the thought process, the mistaken thought process that the American people are just going to roll over. And that they can slow roll this into a chaotic situation and people aren't going to band together. The one thing that keeps me going every single day is the fact that I have faith in the American people. Why do I say that? Because in World War II, prior to World War II and World War I, we did not want to go to war. We were, we were, we were anti-war across the nation. Even Roosevelt knew that. He needed a catalyst event. And Pearl Harbor was a catalyst event. And if you look back in history, FDR is the one that cut off the oil to the Japanese. We were we were a net exporter of oil for the Japanese prior to World War II. Mm -hmm. And we drove them into war because he needed a catalyst event to galvanize the American public. What do you think is going to happen when the rule of law breaks down and Americans are forced to defend their home? First, they're going to they're going to they're going to get their shit together and they're going to organize it at the, the neighborhood level. Then they're going to organize at the community level. Then it's going to be the town. Then it's the city. And then you're just going to see people like Adrian Fontes and Katie Hobbs swinging from a rope because they broke the public trust and the American people. I'm telling you, it's like a light switch. When you fuck with the American people and they get to that point where the switch goes off, it's game on. And there are thousands and thousands of people right now yeah. that the switch is ready to be flipped. And when it is, it, it will. And Sheriff Daniels knows this. Yeah, you, know, you know, you know, who said that to me too the other day, General Flynn. Well, General General Flynn said that to me. He says there are literally thousands and thousands ready to stand in the gate. Yeah, just 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 what you just said, Steve. Yeah, yeah. and. Daniels knows mm -hmm. that it's going to be guys like you and me that have the, that have the experience, have the discipline, know how to, to manage large groups of soldiers can get people organized and, and move things quickly that he's going to need to depend on because he knows that the cartels are, are in his AO. He knows that he's got military age males and he's got his, you know, Islamic extremists all around him, as yeah. well as Chinese infiltrators, 
provocateurs. There's a group of people around him he knows are highly dangerous. They're highly well armed and they are they are waiting for the go order. And he knows that when the go order comes, he's going to rely on guys like you and me to do this. I already know what's going to happen, at least in my ale. Everybody in my neighborhood is going to show up at my house and go, what the fuck do we do? And then I'm going to start <laughs> organizing and telling people, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. And then starting to build out from there. I already know that's going to happen. I've already been. Yeah, well, you know what? When that happens with me, the first thing I'm going to say is the first thing come, coming out of my mouth is, OK, I told you so. <laughs> that's good. That's the first thing that's going to come out of my mouth. I told you so. Now let's get to work. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, look, I, I, I was told yeah. it's been two years now. Yeah. I was, I was sitting down with um, another Lieutenant Colonel friend of mine and uh, he's a, he's a SF guy and he is, he is, I, I tell you, he's one of the most dynamic guys I've ever known in my life. And I, and we were talking about this very topic and he said to me, he goes, you know, you're going to be up front, right? I go, yeah. yeah. He goes, how do you know that? I go, cause guys like you and me are always up front. He goes, yeah, but you accept it. I don't want to be out front. I'm like, you're not going to have a choice. Yep. There's not going to be any place to run to. There's not going to be any place to bug out to. We're yeah. going to have to fight in place on our soil, just like Washington and his troops did during the Revolutionary War. Yep. That's how this is going to go. And I said, look, you have one thing I don't have. You got the cool guy SF training. I don't have that shit, right? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, broken old, you know, a cyber guy and i'm gonna have to you know do the best i can with the ao i'm in and i said yeah i know i i know combat tactics but i'm not you know as skilled as you are and he's like not gonna matter <laughs> it's not gonna matter it's all gonna be who's out front who can communicate yeah yeah but it's, it's basically it's leadership right the point i'm trying to make is that when when you know when we were on the beaches of normandy in on june 6 of 45 it was a few officers and a whole lot of damn good NCOs that took that fight to the enemy. And that's exactly how this is going to go. People that aren't soldiers don't realize their soldiers are going to come out of the woodwork because they love this country. And because the, the, the thing they've tried to kill the most that they won't be able to kill is the Judeo Christian work ethic that this country was built on. There's too many families. There's too many, even liberals. I've, I've, I have some very liberal friends that are calling me going, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. I and know it. It's they're, know it. They're, beginning, these, these, they're beginning to realize that, wait a second, this is not liberal thinking, liberal, classic liberal thinking in the, in the, in the, in the sense of, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, say like the sixties, you know, liberal. Okay. This is leftist. This is fascist. What's going on. So yeah. even the liberals are starting to go, wait a minute, you got guys like Bill Maher. He's yeah. starting to signal that too. It's like, wait a minute, what's really going on here? Yeah, because they yeah. see the communist influence and the Chinese influence. And it, see, this this is where the Chinese always fuck things up, is hey. they're really good at infiltration, but they suck at complex operations and they're not creative at all. They have a very, and again, this is part of the communist system that, that killed the Russians too. Yep. They, they, they were, they, when you kill creativity, when you kill innovation, when you kill any kind of artistic thought process, you kill any ability to pivot, move, and be agile because you become this unwieldy system that's that's built around very standardized procedures because nobody can think for themselves. 
It's the same thing the Germans ran into in World War II. They built this paranoid system of Nazism that essentially ate itself from the inside because people couldn't be creative. Now, they had a lot of German generals that if they would have just taken the chains off those guys, the war would have been a different thing. But yeah. Hitler had, he was too paranoid. He was, he was wrapped up with too many paranoid people around him. And if you look at Klaus Schwab, and who's around Klaus Schwab? He surrounded himself with to toxic, narcissistic retards. Then their their own arrogance, their own paranoia, and their own desire for power is going to strangle them when it comes push comes to shove. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And yeah. I watched a, a video, a roundtable with Tom Luongo the other night, and I love the guy, right? Because he's just like me. Just he's unapologetically raw, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how the New York banking crowd has the people that realize they don't have a seat at the table, they banded together and they're starting to go after BlackRock and they're going to go after BlackRock and do exactly what they did to Lehman Brothers and others. They're going to raise the interest rates until they're unprofitable. And then that's going to blow up. Wow. And, and, and I hope it does. Cause I want to see Larry Fink. I hate that motherfucker. I want to see, <laughs> I want to see that guy swinging from a rope and I want him to swing there until his body falls off of that rope and it's a pile of bones on the ground. That's what needs to happen to him and his daughter and the Gates and Bezos and all the rest of these guys that have architected this because yeah. here's the reality of the downstream of all of this. This is the part that I know you and I have talked about at nausea is that we're going to have issues with food. We're going to have issues with logistics. We're going to have oh, yeah. issues yep. with, with building things and replenishment until we can kickstart the American production engine. And that's what the, the Chinese are deathly afraid of. Yeah. They know that when we bring industry back to the U S we'll be like Yamamoto said it the best. Yeah. I'm afraid I've awoken a sleeping giant mm -hmm. and I filled him with a terrible resolve. That's, that's what the Chinese are deathly afraid of. And I, I can see them. I can see this, the pendulum swinging the other way. And them being completely flat-footed, you know, it's about I, I I agree with you. I mean, you know, you I I watch I watch. I'm not endorsing endorsing it, but there's only two truth tellers left on Fox News. That's Maria Bartiromo and Tucker Carlson. But you watch Maria Bartiromo in the morning, and you listen to some of the guests she has. You know, guys from Vanguard and 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 Chase and stuff. And these 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 people. Men and women are so detached from reality. I mean, you know, going to the store and paying $10 for a dozen eggs is important to millions of people. And these, these people that, you know, and that, that are in these institutions, the elites, so to speak, you know, they're so detached from reality and they, they I don't, I don't think a lot of them really understand what they've set in motion and how it's going to turn out. Cause you know, you can see it right now. Uh, the, the wheels are starting to come off. I mean, if you watch Tucker Carlson's messaging now, almost every night he ends, he starts his, his, uh, his entry with, you know, the government hates you. Yeah. Are, are you wondering, are you wondering why all of these things are happening to you? Interest rates are going up. Your, your water's being poisoned. Your lands are being poisoned. Your, uh, it's because the federal government hates you. Now, the elite in yeah. D.C. Yeah. and the bureaucrats that they've installed, specifically yeah. the, the 
The two people I blame for the current regime of bureaucrats in D.C. is fucking Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And both of them, and I mean both of them, I keep hearing people say we need to execute them. No, you don't execute people like them. What you do with them is you put them in a cell and you take away all their power. You take away all their wealth. You take away any luxuries they have and you put them in a cell and you let them beat their brains out. Until yeah, they either kill themselves or die. Yeah, it drives them mad. Yeah, you do yeah. not give them the yeah. pleasure of a quick end. You, it, 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 there's a there's a line in Stargate, um, I think it's Continuum, where the two gold are sitting there, and one of them says, "May your may your reign last days, but your death years," and <laughs> that's exactly the way that those two assholes need to go out, because they have, especially Obama. Obama has architected this communist regime in DC and let's call it what it is. Yeah. The people that are in Washington, DC and key positions in power and key senior executive services, which SES needs to go away in total are all communists. Every single one of them, they were installed by Obama and his sycophants. And that's what Trump had to deal with while he was in office. That's why Trump's entire term was a shit show because he had to deal with the establishment he had to deal with the elite. He had to deal with the bureaucrats and he had to deal with the media. And, you know, to Trump's detriment, he surrounded himself with complete retards, you know, yeah. Kushner and the rest of them. Most of those guys, they, they shouldn't be in charge of, you know, a, a, a can of Gerber and a spoon because they're that incompetent. You know, you know, he, he, he kept choosing all of these, these generals, you know, and he kept choosing all of these generals. And I'm like, you know, if, if, if it had been me, uh, I wouldn't have taken any general onto onto my staff that's that served after 1990, 90, 91, 92. I mean, they once all the ones that all the ones that we are dealing with right now all came up between 92 and 2000. Oh, the Clinton administration. That's oh, who we're was, dealing with. Yeah, yeah, they were the first ones, right? And yeah, and they're all star, they're all stars now, guys like Millie. And, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, Kirby, that idiot. I mean, there's a host of morons now. It's just idiot. But they're dangerous. They are dangerous. They're dangerous. That's the part that people don't realize is that this, that's why this devolution stuff was, that's why I said early on that the enemy gets a vote because people were so wrapped up in, you know, and you've got all these influencers saying the military is going to step in. No, they're not. It's, it's like this Twitter thing. You, do you honestly think the FBI, who was who was moving agents to Twitter, to Facebook, to Instagram, to YouTube, to Google, do you think they're going to investigate themselves? Give me a break with this. And Rod no. Rosenstein knew this shit was going on during the Trump administration. Cash Patel even calls that. Rod Rosenstein literally threatened Cash Patel and Devin Nunes, a city senator at the time with investigation if they persisted in going after some of this Russiagate stuff. That should tell you just how corrupt the fucking FBI is. And to listen to these guys say, well, the military is going to step in. No, they're not, because you're no. you're saying that all of these generals are put in place by the Clintons, by Obama, that all these general officers are going to go and go against Obama. I mean, come on. Just you know, look at what Milley says. The guy's a cuck. Guy is a disgrace to the uniform. Yeah, and that's at the very high level. Now, let like you know, yes, yesterday we were going to do this yesterday, and I, and I had a I had an emergency dental issue, 
So I, I, you know, I went went to see my dentist, and he happens to be a uh, a uh, in the reserves. He's he's a uh, major in the reserves, and uh, so we were talking about stuff. And uh, you know, he goes, "Yeah, I got ten years active, and I'm going to finish off the rest in the reserves." I said, "Oh, that's good. At least you'll get a check and stuff." And he goes, "Man, it's just terrible now." I said, "Really?" And he says, "How bad is it?" And he goes, "Well, you were a first sergeant, right?" I says, "Yeah, I was." And he goes, "Imagine having this scenario." Now, in the army, okay, if you want to identify as a man or a woman, all you've got to do is fill out a form, turn it into your S1 and say, I am now uh, uh, a woman. And, and once you submit the form, you can use the showers, the women's showers. They have to house you in the, in the women's barracks and everything. I said, you got to be kidding me. He says, no, all you got to do is just fill out the form. And, the, and they updated in Deers, but as of the, the form gets submitted, if you are a man, you can now be a woman. If you're a woman, you can be a man. Shit, and I said, was, and I was said, that when I was in the when uh, I was yeah. on active duty. And I was like, I'm a woman. I, I, I want to be a woman. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like, and I said, you're kidding me. He says, no, they have to, you know, the first sergeants immediately have to take them, house them in the female barracks, let them use the female, uh, 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 showers they can shower with the females and i said but they have to have the operation right and he says no they could have everything their junk hanging out and everything and i said and the women can go in them yep they if they want to identify as a man they and I, I thought i sat there in a dental chair and i said to myself this there's no way that this is sustainable the military is destroyed this is just i mean it's ridiculous well, I, Tom Luongo has a he has a very good uh, analogy for that, right? Like he he talks about millennials and how the elite think the millennials are going to be malleable and able to fight a war. And you're you're talking about literally. First of all, it's the it's besides the gay community, it's the most vaccinated population on the planet right now. And you're going to put the most vaccinated with this toxic vaccine in the military and then put them up against, you know, the Russian military, who's <laughs> on the other side of the spectrum. Good luck with that. And yeah. at the same time, how many different um, aviators and soldiers have long term health effects or dead because of the vaccines that the military um, VAERS equivalent has been scrubbed? Yeah. So Millie is 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 Millie and um, Austin have worked hard with the rest of the bureaucrats to exonerate themselves from any wrongdoing, which isn't going to help them. They're still both going to be shot as traitors. But, you know, when this is all said and done, the thing that I want people to realize is things are going to suck for a while, but maybe that's the next order of battle. But when this shit's all said and done, yeah. this is going to be a better country than it was in 1776, because you're going to have a hardened group of people running the country that are not going to take any amount of shit and they're not going to let anybody come to power like the politicians we have now that are, and most politicians are shitbags anyway, right? They're all wrapped up in power. They don't won't remember your name 10 seconds after they shake your hand. Yep. They all, the only thing they care about is power. We're not going to have that when this is over with, we're going to have true leaders that are combat veterans that are, from all walks of life that understand economics, they understand manufacturing, they understand production, they understand resource management, that you're going to see a full spectrum of people come to power that are all about one thing. What's best for our country? 
And that's why all these predictions, even Martin Armstrong, even his predictions, all those predictions fall short in one place. And that is the country that you live in right now in the United States was anointed by God. They call us the land of dreams for a reason, because we were put in place to be the beacon of freedom for the planet. You think God's going to let that go? I don't think so. God's God's a lot of things, but he will not allow somebody to mock him, number one. And number two, he's not going to allow a godless society to run the planet. That's never going to happen. It suck for a while Mm -hmm. as we all repent for our sins. And trust me, I've got a number of sins that I need to repent for. Same here, same here. (laughs) Right. The point is, He's he's anointed people like you and I to do a mission, right? Yep. My advice to people is figure out what your mission is within your sphere of influence and do that mission and embrace whatever comes because the hardships that you go through will make you stronger and make your community stronger on the other side. And you will see who the real Americans are and who the shitbags are and you're going to weed I, them out quickly. You're, you're spot on. I mean, you know, and I'm not, not to get, you know, biblical or philosophical or anything but if you look at the, the accounts in the, in the bible anytime a society degenerates to the point that they are openly abusing children and celebrating it that's when god says that's it i've had enough yeah i've, I've had enough and we're, and we're there yeah we are there and we're uh, there <laughs> yeah yeah so i so I'm, I'm thinking about ending today with a little fog hat slow ride what do you think Sounds good to me. I saw them, by the way. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw them. I saw them in 1983 at, uh, uh, gosh, where was that? Um, Wichita Falls, the Air Force Base there. Uh, wow. Sh- Shepherd, Shepherd Air Force Base. Yep. Shepherd Air Force Base. I've been yep. there. Yeah, yeah. Too yep. funny. Yeah. Well, Jack, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I, it's always a pleasure to do to do shows with you. We got to do this again, and we have to do it within the next couple of months because I think things are going to heat up. You're your view of the world is is always welcome. And, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate taking the time today to do this. Well, thank you, Stephen. And, and uh, you know, again, I know I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Uh, the whole team appreciates your leadership and being the spokesperson. I mean, there's a whole bunch of us, you know, working behind the scenes. And uh, again, you know, I, I know I'm not the best interviewee, uh, but uh, you do a really good job, Stephen. And, and uh, you know, from the bottom of my heart and the rest, the rest of the team, you know, we appreciate your leadership and your guidance. Appreciate that, brother. Appreciate yeah. that. One team, and one on fight. That, yeah. <laughs> one team, one fight, ladies and gentlemen on that little fog hat, slow ride. God bless one team, one fight. Whoa. If we can get it to play. Oh man. We may have to switch tracks. Okay. Uh-oh. Any sig any yeah. Now my vi- now my audio is not working. That's awesome. I think the NSA was listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try a little credence. How's that? A little traveling band.